Dear friends in Christ, we read from God's Word in the book of Hebrews this morning for our meditation, chapter 7, verses 23 to 28. Also there were many priests, because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all, when he offered up himself, For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints the Son, who has been perfected forever. This is God's word before us today. May the Holy Spirit bless us as we consider the consistency of our living Savior. He balances the old and new. He is the ultimate priest, and he is always reliable. This past week, I spent some time, probably more time than I should have, researching a new cell phone. Gretchen's phone has been not working very well, not receiving calls, not taking calls, not very reliable, and we need a replacement for it. So you get into checking around once again. You look at different phones, different reviews, different prices what people's experiences with them have been, maybe what you're looking for in the item too. What's most important with all the capabilities and accessories on phones today? Not just one thing you might pinpoint that you would need. Well, I was amazed and exhausted at how much the market had changed since I last did this process. It didn't seem like that long ago either. There are a lot of names out there when it comes to phones, Apple, Samsung, Google, those are the big companies, the big names, but now the market is also flooded with all these other companies that are creating phones that are very similar. And it's quite appealing to somebody on a budget who wants to get the most out of their money because if you can get a a phone that is pretty much the same as the top competitor but pay half the price, why wouldn't you want to do that? But it leads one's head to start spinning when you start getting into all of the things that are out there, all of the options and contemplating, am I getting a good deal or am I getting duped? I've had the same feeling with multiple things that we've purchased as a family, usually those bigger items that are important that you use on a regular day-to-day basis. And it seems to be a growing trend in our society that because we have access to so much, it creates confusion about what to do. Well, that's not the worst thing that can happen by having access to so many things. There's a lot of people in the world that don't have access to all the things we do. But it also made me think of another thing that seems to be a growing trend. Despite the quantity and the quality and all the options that are out there with so many of the things that we have, why don't they last longer? You look at some of the phone reviews and you you get a phone from 2021 and it's almost out of date already today. 
you don't really want to spend hundreds of dollars on something that you're going to have to replace in a year. Why don't things last as long? Has the value gone down? Are they not made the same? Is the quality of the product not what it used to be? Hard to say that with phones because there isn't much of a history there. Well, that probably might be the case in some ways. But it also might be a matter of not so much the quality of the item itself, but at the speed at which our society progresses. The speed at which we feel we need a new thing. We live in a world that from the beginning of time has never been satisfied, always wanting more. We live at a time when we live in a culture and a nation at a time when we are more prosperous than any age of humanity before us. And we're never satisfied. It's never enough. Internally, we approach things in life in the same way. It's often not so much that something has lost its value really, but really only that it's diminished in our eyes. We shouldn't be preoccupied with things just because they are new, but we should want things that last. We should want things that are consistent. This principle, which seems so out of touch with our world today, was actually one of the hallmarks of Jewish society in biblical times. And you can see that continuing up to this day in Jewish society. They were conditioned to be leery of new things. The Jewish heritage was built around cherishing, venerating, and promoting the traditional way of doing things, not changing the the structured path. God designed it this way too. The Old Testament is filled with warning after warning to the Jewish people not to go after something new, but to stay rooted in what was consistent and true. In fact, the prophet Amos even talked about that. He said, look for the old paths. Who would do that today? How would that resonate with people today, with Christianity today? Come on, come into our church for something that's old. God wanted consistency and repetition of what was true. And most, if not all, of Israel's rebellions in the Old Testament could be traced back to a lust for something that was new, something that was different, something that attracted them. So for the Jewish individual to whom the book of Hebrews was originally written, new was not better. God had his reasons for this conditioning, however, and most important of all, paired with a warning against idolatry, was God wanting to keep his people focused on the Savior who would come. That was the purpose of the Old Testament. That was their life. That was their mission. That was their goal. That was their reason for existence. The focus of the coming Savior, preparing the way. And the danger in those religious fads that would come and go in the Old Testament was that they would steer the people off course. Drifting away from Jesus would not just jeopardize faith for the people of Israel, but for all of humanity. God knew this. God knew that our faith rested on their nation being able to move forward in his word and in his truth for the time of the Messiah to come. This, God's warnings and following these things that seemed new and exciting were very well founded. 
And these warnings became embedded into the Jewish culture. We may not be Jewish by heritage, but we can respect a culture like that. We can understand the value of it. But we also know that because of disappointment in life. The disappointments that we face, the times when things don't measure up, when we're left wanting, those things feed into this kind of thinking as well. We start to doubt whether something new could really be worth it. We're used to being let down by things, whether it be products that we buy or people that we interact with. What is advertised as something is very rarely ever that very way. But what do you do when yours is a culture like that, when you've experienced so much of that in a sinful and fallen world, what do you do when something new and better really does come along? No fake imitation, no letdown, something we might call the real deal. Because that's so incredibly rare in the world, we're usually not ready. And this is what happened to many of the Jewish people when Jesus came. They were firmly entrenched in their tradition with the way things had always been. They were leery of new things for good reason. And they were used to being let down in this sinful world. When Jesus arrived, he was different. He was new. He was the change. The change of the old ways, the change of the customs of the past that were meant to bring people to him. And the new expression and revelation of God as the Savior. Paul said those Jewish laws were a shadow of things to come. Jesus was the substance of those things. When the substance comes, you don't look at the shadow anymore. And most painful of all for the Jewish people, Jesus spoke against the misguided ways that they had taken those old customs and traditions and actually used them as a detriment to their faith. Jesus rubbed up against these old ways of doing things that got in the way of God's word, and they didn't like that. Much of what God had given them in the Old Testament was there to train them to see the Messiah. The ceremonies, the laws, the festivals, the sacrifices. But for people during Jesus' time, they had become mechanisms of self-worship. Ways for people to glorify their own works and how faithful they had been to God as a basis for their salvation. And they didn't like it when Jesus came and spoke against that. If you follow the book of Hebrews through, it's all about helping Jewish believers see how Jesus connects the old with the new. How Jesus is a reliable and consistent Savior because God designed it that way. And how you can let go of some of the custom and tradition of the past to embrace what is new. Many of the same thoughts are repeated multiple times throughout the book of Hebrews as an appeal to Jesus as the true Messiah. And in these verses before us this morning, the Holy Spirit highlights the difference that Jesus makes because of his resurrection from the dead. Last weekend in our service, we read Isaiah chapter 26 as one of our scripture readings, and we remarked about that reading that it's one of those places in the Old Testament that talks about the resurrection. You don't get that a whole lot. Most people today think that the resurrection is only a New Testament concept. But here we see again the same thought reinforced in the book of Hebrews. The writers appealing to those people familiar with the Old Testament 
that the Savior to come, the true Messiah, would be one who would rise from the dead, would be one who would live eternally. As we follow the progression of thoughts in the text, it starts by contrasting the Old Testament priests who, in the words of our text, were prevented by death from continuing. It contrasts those individuals with Jesus, the greatest high priest, who, as the text says, continues forever. That very difference between the Old Testament priests and Jesus shows the power of his resurrection. They couldn't continue on. They reached a point of limit of their influence, of their service, of their ability to share God's mercy with the people because they were mortal. They were human. They died. But Jesus was different. Jesus is the priest that continues forever. And as verse 24 summarizes, because he continues forever, he has an unchangeable priesthood. Well, to appreciate that concept, you have to understand what God is talking about when he mentions what a priest does. The biblical idea of a priest was more than just a religious leader. Many people today think of priest as somebody just in the Roman Catholic Church who's kind of like a pastor and does certain things and maybe you call them father or whatnot. But the biblical concept of a priest was very specific and shows us something very important about who Jesus is. The priest was not like the prophet or the scribe who worked primarily with the text. The prophet would preach the word, would teach the word. The, the scribe would write the word. Well, the priest's job was to bring the message of atonement to the people. And not just by proclaiming words, but by showing it in action. The priest was the one who would offer the sacrifices. Those bloody, gory, graphic depictions of what it would mean to pay for sin. A life that is innocent, taken for the guilty. The priest was the one who was tasked with communicating this message to the people. And what it was about was God's mercy. That God would, would of his own grace, take those sins away because of the sacrifice that was to come through Jesus Christ. The priest's calling was a vocation more of picture language than just teaching or preaching. They showed God's truth through action. Another way of thinking about the priesthood is that they were in the business of dispensing mercy. It was their job to make sure the people went away knowing that God's mercy was active and present in their lives. What a thought comes to mind now when we recognize that and we consider that Jesus' priesthood is unchangeable and eternal. That's what the text tells us. Because he lives forever, he has an unchangeable priesthood. So Jesus is the only consistent source of hope for the burdened sinner. Because he's not like a priest who's going to die one day and fade away, and you're not going to have access anymore to him. He is the unchangeable one. He is the eternal one. He is the one who always offers mercy and forgiveness for our sins. And that reality about Jesus, Hebrews tells us, is a direct result of his resurrection from the dead. The second result is in verse 25. The text goes on. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. 
because the priest was charged with dispensing God's mercy to the people, he was known as an intercessor. An intercessor is someone who stands in the place of another, who takes that place, maybe a substitute, we might call it today. Jesus is unique as the greatest high priest because he is able to stand in for sinners. He is able to intercede like no other person can. All who come to him find forgiveness because Jesus always lives to make intercession. This is why the text tells us that Jesus is fitting as our high priest. That, that word, when we think about something being a fit, we think, oh, I might prefer that. If it's a good thing to me, then it fits. Well, God is saying there is that despite how you feel, Jesus is fitting for you because he's the only one who can do it. He's the only one who can stand in your place and take that punishment, but also give that mercy. But Jesus is not unique in this way without a reason. Verse 27 reminds us why he has this quality. Jesus offered a payment for sin, our text says, once for all, when he offered up himself. That's what makes Jesus one of a kind. That's what makes him your intercessor who can stand in your place because he willingly offered up himself once for all. The death of Jesus was the payment made for your sin. And now the resurrection is the receipt of that payment. So anytime anyone challenges you about whether you're really redeemed, the resurrection of Jesus is proof that it is true. That's why everything in our faith, everything in Christianity hinges on the resurrection of Christ. If Christ is not risen, our faith is dead. The totality of Jesus' once-for-all payment is a theme that's repeated throughout Hebrews. As we understand the context of this book being written to Jewish believers from the Old Testament who needed help connecting the old with the new, we see that the atonement of Christ once for all is a pivotal thought there. And how precious that thought is for our lives too. It's introduced here in chapter 7. It's also repeated in chapter 9 and repeated in chapter 10. God's telling us Trust and be assured that your sins have been paid for completely. And why is that valuable? Why is that important? Because we live at a time and in an age and in a world where, where people will take whatever credit they can for what God has done. Most people today won't say, yeah, I can save myself completely and I can get to heaven and be with God and I can be a morally perfect person 24-7, 365 and never have any problems. Most people know very well They'll be labeled and seen as a direct imposter if they ever propose such a thought. But the more common belief today is that God's done a little bit. You've got to do a little bit. Yeah, Jesus died. He saves us by grace. We receive that by faith. We learn about it in the Bible. But what have you done? God dispels all of that with this one phrase, once for all. When Jesus gave atonement for the sins of the world, when he suffered, died, and rose again, everything was complete in the most perfect way possible, in the most complete way possible, never to be undone, once for all. And that's the way it stands today. There is nothing left that we have to do or even can do 
to achieve our salvation. God makes it abundantly clear. So as we summarize these thoughts, God is telling us that because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood is forever. And because Jesus' priesthood is forever, his mercy is eternal. He can always be someone that we can come to God through him, through Jesus. He is that intercessor. These are astounding and eternally comforting words and thoughts that the Holy Spirit has given even to us today that we may have more confidence and hope in our unchangeable salvation through Jesus. But why don't more people believe it? Why is it so difficult for many people to trust these things about Jesus? Why was it difficult for many Jewish people to believe in him as their savior? The reasons may differ from time period to time period, from culture to culture, but really what they come back to often is how we value the old and the new. For the Jews, they venerated what was old and doubted what was new. This caused them to forget the value of not just venerating something, but analyzing its worth according to God's word. And recognizing then when Christ came by analysis of God's word, how he was different and better. They simply weren't ready when Jesus arrived. For many people today, we're used to living life so quickly, for the world changing so often, that we hardly believe there could ever be anything consistent. For many, the thought of Jesus and everything he does simply sounds too good to really be true. I've lived too much in this world. I've experienced too much pain. I've been burned too many times to really believe that I could have a Savior who's always there for me with unlimited mercy, who never changes. We too, as God calls us to follow Jesus, when God calls the world to believe in Jesus, we too are at risk of not being ready, of being caught off guard. But let's not make the same mistake. And let's analyze our situation in light of God's word. And God's message is abundantly clear. Don't return to the old, for the very purpose of those things has come. But also, don't doubt what is new. Don't be cynical about real hope, for that too has come through Jesus. We have a fitting high priest who lives forever and does not change in his stance of mercy towards sinners. We have unlimited forgiveness at his altar of grace, and he is able to provide for us in every need. Jesus is the completion of the old. He is the arrival of the new. And he is the perfect consistency that we need. Amen. Please rise.